0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. Tuesday, September the 27th, 2022, new book day. Tuesdays is the day of the week for new authors, and I in this show, talk to many new authors and I'm beginning to develop theories about them. One of my theories is that the more interesting the work, the more outrageous, the more memorable, probably the less memorable the author and the less interested the author is in talking about themselves. Yes, they, uh, I, had a, I had an unnamed author on the show who couldn't stop talking about themselves, but they are actually, they and their work were very uninteresting. I suspect that today, the reverse is true. Most of you won't have heard of the author on the show. She's the author of a new book called Mother Thing. It's her third book. Kirkus loved it. They called it profane, insane, hilarious, disgusting, and unexpectedly moving, which is quite a compliment. But when I began to dig into the author of this new book, Mothering, uh, Ainsley Hogarth, on her website, all I found about Ainsley is Ainsley Hogarth is the author of three novels. She lives in Canada and Ainsley is joining us from Canada, just outside uh, Toronto. Uh, Ainsley, uh, do you use your, your outrageous, profane, disgusting work to hide yourself or are you just a rather boring person?
1: Um, I'm definitely a rather boring person. That's for sure. Case in point, I'm sitting in my son's room right now. I don't have a cool office. (laughs) Just take care of babies all day and write profane books.
0: (laughs) What's the connection, though, especially as a mother? Because this new book, Mother Thing, it's not mothering, it's mother thing. We have lots of shows about idealizing mothering and suggesting how important mothers are in our economy and our culture. But your book, Mother Thing, a kind of horror, gothic horror novel, is the reverse. It it, it certainly uh, isn't in love with mothering, is it?
1: Um, it's not necessarily uh, in love with or, uh, you know, it's not really actually making a commentary on mothering as much as it is making, I guess, a commentary on just the profound responsibility of mothering. Um, it's a weird thing where... Like a, I suppose a good way of sort of thinking about it with respect to the book is when you become a mother, you sort of are turned into like, I guess, sort of like a minor god in a way. You're given this like raw organic material and it's your job to like turn it into as close to perfection as possible. And it's a huge responsibility. It feels very scary. And it's scary for the baby too because who knows who you're going to end up with for a mom. So it's kind of more about the gravity of mothering.
0: Not putting any pressure on any new mothers. I at. know.
1: <laughs> don't worry. They're doing that very well for themselves already, I'm sure.
0: So your book, and I don't want to give away too much about the, the plot because we want everyone to buy it. It's out today, yeah. Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth. But it is a book about how mothering or mothers can go wrong. It's it's gothic, it's dark. I mean, how would you describe it? A horror horror book A gothic?
1: So it's actually kind of funny because when I was writing this book, I thought of it as a love story. Uh, There is like a love story at the center of the book. That's the Canadian
0: Um, in you. It
1: must be. (laughs) Very, very positive about it. Uh, Yeah, it's I think of it as a love story first um, and then a horror story. Second, the horror um, sort of comedy aspects to me, and just sort of provide uh, good tension for the love story more than anything else. But yeah, then when it as it's come out and been marketed, uh, it's definitely more of a, marketed more as a horror, which it is. It's just funny how that happens when you write something and then you're in a weird way like we're kind of wrong about what it is you were writing or didn't really get it in the same way. It happens a lot.
0: Not the best horror narratives, movies, books. Uh, stories aren't they always comic in a way they have to be
1: yeah I think so I mean I think that they're just two. this is probably not quite the right um, not two sides of the same coin but I feel as though horror and comedy really just go hand in hand they 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 don't even necessarily even just balance one another I think like horrific things are often also funny even in real life you know when you're going through Something dark or something difficult, at least I find that's when I kind of very unexpectedly have sort of the biggest laughs about things that are maybe not supposed to be funny or yeah.
0: Do you think, uh, I I mean, uh, one of your local newspapers, I did a bit of digging about you and it's hard to find anything, but your Windsor Star ran a piece about a previous book suggesting that uh, morbid humor sells. Do you think that's true? Are publishers always looking for morbid humor or readers? Is that what they want?
1: I think probably only because I do think that most people sort of in their heart of hearts are a little bit morbid because life is just a little bit morbid. I think if you're not a little bit morbid, you're probably a little bit delusional. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think probably, but I'm not a publisher, so I don't know.
0: So without giving away too much of the book Ainsley, because we, as I said, I want people to buy it Yeah. that briefly, you might tell our audience what it's about and, don't give away certainly all the secrets uh, dress it up make it um, make it irresistible
1: okay well I'll do my very best this is actually not my strong suit um, so essentially it's about a woman named Abby uh, who had a very difficult childhood and um, she marries a man named Ralph who she hopes is going to sort of correct all of the bad things from her childhood like with Ralph she's going to create the life that she feels she should have had um growing up and I mean mistake number
0: one was marrying someone called Ralph that's (laughs) bound to go wrong isn't it
1: don't you think Ralph is kind of a sweet name I always thought Ralph is sort of a sweet name too sweet
0: too soft
1: is Ralph short for something I actually don't know
0: um Randolph no I don't think so
1: that's sort of what my brain went to but then I. um, is it a
0: A Canadian name, Ralph? Probably.
1: Or like Mm. North American anyway. Yeah. Seems like. I can't even really think of a famous Ralph except for the Simpsons actually now.
0: We did a show yesterday about the crisis of masculinity in the world and um, probably Ralph now is a popular name given that crisis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, that's a good point. That's interesting. I should listen to that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so anyway, so she marries a man named Ralph who's going to make her life better and what's and, she like um, is
0: she uh feisty humorous morbid
1: so dark, the thing about beautiful. the thing about abby uh is that she wants very badly to do the right thing all the time so she wants to be a great wife she wants to be great at her job um
0: recipe she, for disaster right
1: recipe for disaster exactly uh and a big component of her character, and this happens a lot throughout the book, is she just sort of chronically misinterprets the messaging that's intended for women, if that makes sense. So for example, she, she sort of like allots a lot of value to um, yogurt in our society as an example. So like she identifies certain women as being yogurt women and then other women as being jellied salmon women which is a Mm. different type of woman um so yeah so uh, she spends a lot of time sort of processing incorrectly or in a strange way a lot of the capitalist messaging she receives you know the way that we all receive and that's actually part of her part of her problem her big problem is that she's kind of a, a lightning rod for this like sort of bad intel about women from uh you know the media but also from her mother other women in her life um she just can't really and, get it
0: right uh, Again, without wishing to give away too much of the plot. <laughs> a recipe feature in the in the book, and a sort of surreal take on, on recipes, which are a a form of, I guess, female instruction, although men cook as well. Female instruction out of the capitalist economy.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of so Abby um spends a lot of time, she's got sort of this cookbook that also serves as a guidebook um, for creating this happy life it's a very old cookbook and that's where she gets this recipe for jellied salmon um, and yeah I think that there is a lot of and I'm sure you covered this in your show yesterday about masculinity but just this sort of um, there's almost like a culture of instruction for gender and it's uh, mm, cookbooks yeah. or things like that and there it's just a strange thing it's a strange thing to be constantly trying to reinforce and it's certainly a strange thing to have been normalized that there are these yeah like- it's
0: interesting yesterday the, the guy's name is richard reeves his new book it came out this week too is good uh, of boys and men ah. and he suggests that because women are more successful in the uh in schools in the education system they learn quicker Um, boys should start a year earlier. You're probably saying when it comes to women like Abby, they learn too much too quickly. It's better not to learn.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's more um, like he's he's saying that in terms of like just sort of classic, like sort of public education.
0: Well, any kind of education is the boys should... And I start a year early or maybe start a year later, in other words they're always they're developmentally a year behind girls, so we need to build yeah. that in to the education system
1: that's very interesting. I actually was learned something uh, along those same lines about how we structure the the year the yearly sort of education system, how everybody is put in based on the year they were born, how yeah. it actually uh, because of the developmental, um, the speed with which kids develop early on that year is actually far too big a gap. And Mm. so apparently some sociologists have found that uh, the most successful people were actually born in the second half of the year because um those born in the first half of the year sort of received the information that they maybe were like not as good at things or because they simply weren't by comparison which is it would have been
0: yeah is um is is the heroine of your book do you think she's a first part or second part of the year ty
1: you know abby i do think abby is smart i think she is smart but she is simply um and she is really, she is actually really good at her job and she's very caring. I think that she's just, she, her, her, honestly, her biggest problem is that she doesn't have any boundaries and she does believe that that is how you love a person is by yeah. sort of just letting she them. seems sort of
0: like out, out of her depth in life itself. And then of course she bumps into her mother-in-law who's right. perhaps the reverse. Is that fair?
1: Yes. I would say that, um, Laura, who is her mother-in-law, is, I think probably Laura is actually just a very frightened person, and that has turned into cruelty, is my take on Laura. And
0: what's the sort of the, 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 the capitalist take on Laura? What, what, what's she been reading too much of? <sighs> hmm. Or not enough of? What, what's her problem? Why has she turned out such a mess?
1: Um, You know what, I don't really get into Laura's backstory very much, but I would think that You invented
0: her, so you know it better than anyone.
1: Um, I would say that Laura probably, um, if I were to sort of do Laura's kind of like capitalist tarot, (laughs) she is uh, just the classic, um, she doesn't want to be replaced, that sort of thing, that there is an expiration date for women in the way that there isn't for men. Um, and And for
0: yogurt and milk, right?
1: Oh, exactly. (laughs) Although, you you know, you can push that a little (laughs) with dairy. Um, yeah, no, I think that probably it's just that for her, that, that, that feeling of that society says that there's an expiration date for you. And then that there is somebody in line coming to kind of
0: take this. uh, And I don't want to pigeonhole you. And this is a bit of a boring, um, pigeonhole, but is there a feminist angle to the book?
1: Oh, yes. I think that there's probably a feminist angle to anything that, I mean, maybe this is pigeonholing, but I imagine that any, any woman creating anything, there's going to be some kind of feminist angle to it because that's your experience.
0: And so the, the novel revolves around this relationship, if that's the right word, between um, the girl and her mother-in-law, which is not a good relationship.
1: No. To put
0: yeah. it politely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the sort of pro- the profane, insane, hilarious, disgusting court book, is it?
1: Um, probably. At least the, what
0: comes out of it.
1: Yeah. I would say probably the the tension. I, th- I would say that where the profane, insane, hilarious comes from is sort of this tension of... Um, You know, ultimately what Abby is up against is her husband's deteriorating mental health and the tension comes from, again, this messaging that as a woman, you are responsible, responsible for your husband's mental health. That's unspoken, but it's certainly something that you see a lot. And I'm sure, again, you probably uh, talked to your guest yesterday about this, but men are far less likely to seek help for mental health, mental health issues they rely very heavily on the women in their lives to, you know, for emotional support um, as opposed to like their friends and things like that. Um, and that, again, that's something that's become normalized. And that's, that's sort of where the horror comes from is this Abby, who is this person who feels all this responsibility to be the best wife up against something like uh, depression, which is, you know, it's unbeatable without, you know, real help. It's not something that like one person can fix for another person it's just impossible. So that's that's where the horror comes in, is that wanting so badly to be able to help this person that you love, feeling this pressure to help this person that you love as though you're failing that because, you know, in not doing it. And um, yeah, that's that's the horror of the book, I would say. profane horror.
0: <laughs> but the Abby-Ralph relationship or its de- deterioration is bound up in the mother-in-law or in Abby's mother-in-law.
1: Yeah, because... So essentially, as Ralph's mental health deteriorates, so his OK, so essentially we'll go back to the I guess the uh, description of the book, which is. That... Yeah, don't give away too
0: much. I'm sort <laughs> no. of trying to get you to give away too much. But don't be tempted. Ains.
1: Oh, it's hard. Um, yeah. So essentially, um, the book opens with Laura committing suicide. So Abby's got her husband, Ralph. She's about to start this great life. And then Laura commits suicide. That's literally the very first page. Not, um, the, good,
0: not, not the ideal beginning to a marriage.
1: Certainly not. Um, and then Ralph sort of spirals into uh, a depression um, and starts to see his mother in the house. And so that is... Abby is up against Ralph's deteriorating mental health and then also the specter of grief, and the specter of his mother
0: in the house. You can already see the movie, Ainsley. Uh, (laughs) I found another bio of you where it says a little bit more that uh, you watch a lot of movies and have a lot lot more books in your head. Um, What kind of movie would this make? I mean, one obviously thinks of Hitchcock here because I always (laughs) think of Hitchcock. He's always in my head. But are there other movie makers who you like whose movies sort of might incorporate this sort of thing with mothering um mother not mothering mother thing
1: mother thing um you know who i think could do a really great movie about mothers for some reason is um paul schrader i've always thought i would love yeah. to see a movie by him about mothers he's one of my favorite directors um right now i would say that uh, ari oster the, the man who directed um hereditary and midsummer is doing, in my opinion, sort of the most interesting horror movies and horror movies about grief um, and feminist horror movies. They're, his movies, are, I, I think they're excellent. So, I, yeah, I feel as though if Ari Aster made a Mother Thing movie, that would just be wonderful.
0: <laughs> is this a book then about grief in a way, a horror story about grief?
1: I think so. Yeah, it's a, I think so.
0: We did a, a show yesterday with Namwali Sipel, um a Zambian-American writer who has a new novel out about grief. It's another theme that people seem to be preoccupied with as writers. I wonder why.
1: I think because grief is um, indescribable in a way. Um, and so in fiction, you can... You can go at it in sort of bigger ways, if that makes sense. Like, you can make it... Um, yeah, there are like, no
0: boundaries, no there's rules. There's no
1: boundaries. So, like, The Babadook is another movie that's about grief, another horror movie about grief. And grief sort of takes the form as a boogeyman. And it's so... Um, it's really moving. And it's really probably the most... Uh, you know, the a movie that's probably gotten closest to... Describing the indescribable the grief, in my opinion. So I feel as though probably it's writers and artists are preoccupied with those things that just are really hard to adequately, uh, you know, demonstrate or communicate or describe.
0: Ezzy, this is your third book. Um, mm-hmm. The first two, boy, uh, the lonely and boy meets girl, uh, massacre. Yeah, are for. Uh, younger audience. Uh I I I don't know whether they're how how would you describe them? And uh, talk a little bit about now going for a more of an adult audience. Was this something conscious or just inevitable?
1: So um what's funny about those books is that I uh I had written those not necessarily as YA but my agent at the time. So they both have young protagonists and my agent at the time because YA was like really having a moment uh, decided to pitch them as YA Um, and they sold which was great but they uh, at the point of sort of release a lot of the you know big reviewers and sort of the library school journal and sort of the gatekeepers of that world were kind of like these are too much for kids (laughs) these can't really so they didn't they didn't really find a
0: disgusting Even they're kind of disgusting
1: as a matter of fact, the one um the Boy Meets Girl Massacre actually sold in France and ended up making it uh like we had a cover and it was almost, but then it, it apparently violated uh the translator had said that it apparently violated a, a decency law in in France.
0: Yeah, well, that's quite an achievement, ain't Yes. To,
1: like, to yes, violate at the time.
0: <laughs> indecency laws in France of all places.
1: I know, at the time I was bummed, but I w- I knew that one day I would be like that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> so, so
0: you rolled your sleeves up and you just decided to to write for a more adult audience with Mother Thing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so I would say also like The Lonely and The Boy Meets Girl Massacre, though they have young protagonists, are probably also, I mean, I, I they're definitely, I would say they're probably m- more adult books as well. Um, with, with Mother Thing, I just sort of like changed, uh, well, I switched agents <laughs> and then, um kind of found a, my place a little better. They're tough so books I, to so categorize. Someone should write
0: a horror. I'm sure they have done. Someone should write a horror story about literary agents. That'd be a good one. Right? Yes. We all want to murder <laughs> our agent. All writers want to murder <laughs> our agents.
1: Currently, I do not. They don't have one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Currently, I do not. My agent is wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, your agent's certainly done a good job. You um yeah uh the book's just out and you're you're on tour I mean most authors aren't going on tour but not only are you going on tour but you're going to the UK yeah. uh, in October uh you're going to be in Crouch End of all places Manchester uh Cheltenham for the book festival do you think that this is the kind of book that it, that sort of is both funny and disgusting that would particularly attract uh, uh and a british audience as opposed to perhaps an american audience or do you not distinguish
1: i really i wouldn't know i i have i've never been to the uk like you probably uh-huh. would know you you could probably answer Well, that my question.
0: guess is that Brit- british people tend to like stuff that's simultaneously insane <laughs> and disgusting and profound oh, great. so uh, whereas americans Want their stuff clear? Either it's profound or it's disgusting, but they can't deal with both.
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, and and I will say that like the the um British readers are very enthusiastic about the book. Um, yeah. They're love. They're loving it. It seems, and yeah, I'm going to be going out there, and I'm very excited.
0: And uh, what about the the literary comparisons? I I I read a review uh, that suggested that it. The, the comparison was uh, Tessa Moshfez Eileen and also uh, uh, Mona Awad's Bunny, both best-selling books. Are, are there books that you think this exists in the genre?
1: Um, I mean, I think those are great comparisons. Um, essentially books about, you know, I mean, I think what are they... Uh, a sort of sub-sub-sub-genre that's been uh, floated around in reviews is the, like, an, the unhinged woman <laughs> mm. uh, genre. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a fair and good um, comparison. Uh, a book that I really love that I'm always, I think, in the back of my mind trying to be not in league with, but, like, would be, like, yeah, I guess in league with is Elfrida um, Jelinek's The Piano Teacher, which to me is uh, sort of yeah, like Oh yeah, I've
0: seen the film. I haven't.
1: Yeah, great, great, great movie. Um Yeah, it's a very gross
0: but also quite profound.
1: Yeah, that, that yeah, I really love that. That director's uh one of my favorites as well, Michael Haneke. And uh yeah, that's a that I feel is kind of like the um the template for the unhinged woman subgenre. Like mm. Did you that, uh yes. speaking
0: of unhinged women in film, did you see Don't Worry Darling which attempts to <laughs> cover unhinged women but they're they're not really unhinged they're quite hinged i think it's the problem with the film
1: oh yeah no i actually haven't seen it i've only i've only kind of read about the the drama well uh,
0: i assume you don't only read disgusting horror stuff uh no see, what else do you read these days anything that you would other books that you in addition to the piano teacher which is a movie that you uh, you would advise uh, our Certainly. audience
1: Yes, I would definitely advise piano teacher, movie, book, anything by that director or that writer. Um, yeah, most recently, the two books I I finished most recently, um, one was called uh, Waiting for Ted by Mary Ecke, I'm probably butchering her name, Mary Ecke Big. Um, that was excellent. Uh, that was also sort of uh, an unhinged woman story. Um, it's about a woman who is An interior designer and an Instagram influencer who is trying to keep her marriage together, Um, but it's Mm. all sort of through the lens of. Well, anything,
0: anything that features an Instagram influencer has to end with grisly murders of some sort.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, it stands to reason that if you're doing that with your life, you're probably (laughs) not a very happy person. Probably. I don't know. I'm not very online, but
0: uh, I've noticed. Yeah. Which is good. Although if you become a superstar, Ainsley, you're <laughs> going to become more visible. You're going to have to reveal more about yourself. You're going to have to add a couple of sentences to your bio.
1: Yeah. I should probably think about doing that. It just, you know, it's funny because it just seems uh, irrelevant to me. Um, but I get why it is relevant. It's just, yeah. As you mentioned earlier on, like I've obviously been having a lot of interviews leading up to the publication of the book and it is, uh, It's been a struggle to sort of, um, you know, talk about myself and like understand that, you know, people are interested in, you know, authors and things like that.